Welcome back to the Oklahoma Municipal League podcast. I'm your host and executive director of OML, Mike Fina. The show today will cover the hottest topic across the country in municipal government, the American Rescue Plan. We also call it the ARP for short. Our guest today is Clarence Anthony from the National League of Cities, and he's one of the country's leading experts on municipal government. He's also one of the reasons why there are so many great things in the ARP for municipalities. If you're a municipal leader, most likely you've heard of NLC, but for the rest of you to put it in perspective, NLC does similar things to what OML does, only they do it at the national level. They advocate for us at the United States Capitol, and they also hold incredible conferences where they educate and train our municipal leaders. NLC is an incredible organization that OML is proud to be a part of. It's my honor to introduce the CEO and Executive Director of the National League of Cities, Clarence Anthony. Clarence, how are you, my friend? I am excellent, Mike. How are you doing? And, and great I, to see you. It's great to see you, too. Um, if Everything's good in Oklahoma. We're wrapping up legislative session in May, and uh, we're having a good year for municipalities. So uh, things are good here. So th- thanks for asking. I'm glad, and I can tell you one thing: I miss seeing you in person and getting my hug and handshakes and high fives <laughs> uh, because it's been over a year. I know since it's all of us, all of us had to pivot and to yeah. uh, lead our organizations differently. So thank you for your partnership. Well, I'll let you know that I get the question regularly from the members that regularly attend NLC. Are we going to be in person? Are we in person? And I tell them it's coming. Don't worry. We're all going to get back. They all want to get to the NLC conference. So <laughs> Good. Yeah. So we're excited. So today, I, I really want to focus on the American Rescue Plan. But I before we get into that, I'd like you to, to talk a little bit about the National League of Cities and for I know that we have a lot of our larger cities in Oklahoma that are very active members, uh, but kind of just lay out what, the resources and the things that you do for all of the cities and towns in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think um, the, the misnomer is the National League of Cities is this visual of Oklahoma City or, you know, Chattanooga or New York or Chicago. Um, it's really representing the 19,000 cities, towns and villages in America. And of the population in America, um, 18,300 are under 50,000. So the majority of cities, towns, and villages in America are very small communities. And I'll use my prime example. I was a mayor of a city of about 7,000 people in in Florida, in Palm Beach County, for over 20 years, similar to you, Mike, as a a former elected. You know, I ran for office and I thought I knew everything about uh, running a city and really I did not. And I came to the Florida League of Cities and much like you guys came to the Oklahoma uh, Municipal League. And this is where I got my technical assistance. And then I joined the National League of Cities. And what I got there is knowledge about federal grants and federal programs that were available, but more importantly, what was coming down, especially from EPA and HUD and all of these other initiatives, I had no clue. I didn't have the staff of the large cities. I didn't have you know, the infrastructure that Mayor Holt has that he could just pick up the phone and you know, snap his finger. 
David's going to kill me for saying that. Uh, but that 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 response could be there. So I needed to support the support of the National League of Cities. And they provided me the, the information, the solutions to my water, wastewater issues that I was having in such a rural community that maybe there was a concept of creating a regional uh, system because I couldn't keep up with all the requirements of EPA. Um, the housing, I was in a rural community. The quality of our housing was not really good. So they gave me ideas of how I could um, not only get um, uh, amendments to my process, but funding for HUD in the small uh, cities. We have a lot of tools for small cities is the bottom line. And I hope that um, you know the members in Oklahoma will see us as a support for them as they move forward. Absolutely. You know, you and I have had this conversation. In fact, we had it the very first day that we ever met each other that our our paths into our careers right now are very similar. I represented a community of 7,000 and you, you and I know this. The difference is that I got very involved in the Oklahoma Municipal League, but I was never exposed to NLC and I missed out on those resources. I'm thankful that now as the executive director to be able to show mayors and city uh, city councilmen, city managers, everything that NLC has to offer. So we want to get our members more involved. And I think that was very eloquent how you how you described what you guys do. And it probably wasn't fair because it honestly would take us the rest of the day to talk about everything that NLC does for municipalities. So thank you for, for everything you guys do, by the way. You're welcome. And thank you, Matt, for your commitment. All right. So I um, want to talk about the American Rescue Plan today. So the ARP set aside $130 billion for local governments, and that was a pretty big increase from the CARES Act funding last year. What do you think the shift was towards munis or towards local governments on that? Well, the, the shift was, as, as you recall, uh, there was only about 37 uh, uh, cities in America that uh, qualified for direct funding under the CARES Act. And if you were a population and city population of under 500,000, you did not get direct funding. Now with the American Rescue Plan, what happens now is that every city, town, and village, no matter your size, you're gonna get direct funding to address those COVID-19 pandemic impacts. Um, and if you're under 50,000 is using a community development block grant uh, formula, uh, you will get those dollars working through the state. So the dollars will come straight to the state and within 60 days, they are to come uh, directly to uh, you as a city. Um, and so that is the major difference. Uh, there are a lot of other uh, uh, programs that are focused on agriculture, on housing as well in the bill that you can access. So so the it was obvious that this bill put a priority on local governments versus the care. I'm not saying that the CARES Act was unfair to us, so it's it still a considerable amount of money. This one has been very generous. What, what was the shift in the mindset in the lawmakers that shifted this to local government? Yeah, I think there's a recognition uh, by most residents that um, the real uh, solutions and outcomes and impact are at the city level and the county level. 
Uh, and we started working with senators and we started working uh, with congressional members. A lot of them had served as mayors or county supervisors or county commissioners. And they recognized that if we were going to rebuild and recover, it takes those mayors and council members to make that happen in a uh, faster uh, in a fa faster way. And so when we started talking to them about COVID relief and investments, we started talking about and sharing the stories about uh, unemployment in small cities, the layoff in, in small cities, the fact that our capital improvement investments uh, had to be delayed, the furlough of, of employees, the real impact on the people, the small businesses, many of the main street businesses had to shut down for months. You know, how can we help them recover and respond? And so we started telling the story and actually um, with your help in Oklahoma, your cities uh, talking to their members of Congress and writing there and talking to their senators uh, put us over the line because the Oklahoma League and the 48 other state leagues uh, kept the pressure on. So thanks to your members and thanks to you, uh, we got it done. It was it was a team effort, and I, I think and you said it in there. When, if I'm ever asked that question, I always like to emphasize that that it was it was the mayors that were the mayors and the municipal leaders that were thrust to the forefront of it. I, I don't want to take anything away from the governors around the country that were doing a lot of good things, but the fact is, our guys were on the front line, and and I think that they their leadership really being on display and what a good job they did across the country. I, I, I want to think that that was part of the reason as well, because our, our guys really shined through that COVID. No, no question. Uh, because one of the things and I'm going to be candid since we're just having this great conversation, you know, we were just uh, focused on city issues, the outcomes of cities. We didn't care about what party you're in, what size your city in, um, you know, those, saying uh, a fire truck ain't Democrat or Republican. You just want what you want the fire to be put out. You know, the pothole, it messes up my uh, front frame of my car when I hit it here in D.C., just like it does, you know, Democrat or Republican. And we just don't care about that. Yeah. National League of Cities fights for cities, for cities, towns and villages that exist in America and we make sure that what we advocate for, it has the face of our municipal officials, but also the residents. I can't leave them out. Uh, as a former mayor, uh, Mike, you know, we, it's in our blood to care about the people that we represent. Absolutely. And I think all the, the league directors that, that we work with, um, I, I think there's a real emphasis on the citizens and the constituents. Um, we have to. I mean, because being so close to the, the government, being that close to the people, they have to be involved and you have to hear their voices. So so you guys were at the forefront uh, of the ARP fight. And I, I know that because you enlisted us. You just mentioned uh, Oklahoma and, and all the other leagues around the country and did a fantastic job coordinating everything. And the results are pretty clear. It was a it was a huge success. But you did it at a time when the country was 
just an incredible incredible turmoil. We had the siege on the Capitol. We had a change in administration coming off of a, a really hotly contested presidential race. And then you end up with this 50-50 Senate, and then the Democrat majority shrinks in the House. Um, that is that is full contact advocacy <laughs> to deal with that. Can you just get, give us an overview of what it was like advocating for this critical issue during all these trying times? Yeah, um, it was a difficult time. And, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm going to get to your question, but I, I got to tell you, as you talk about all of those things that we were going through in, in America at that time, I do want to say to our municipal officials, I, I know it's been tough on you guys as well. Uh, I know that um, people are looking for you to continue to lead no matter what is happening in Washington, D.C., uh, in the state of Oklahoma. They, they, they still are looking at you to make sure that um, they get the vaccine um, in the right place. They want the distribution to be equitable. Uh, they still want housing. They still want uh, the, you to deal with uh, their water and wastewater issues. On top of that, the racial tension and the insurrection and all of those things happening. Um, I know it's been tough on you and I know that uh, we will come through this uh, with your leadership. But, you know, Mike, I want you all to take care of yourself, too. And I'm kind of talking to myself as I say this because I. <laughs> I, I know that uh, it's been really a, a tough year and a half for our nation and, and for our organization. And as it uh, turned to the issue of getting uh, direct funding for um, every city, town, and village in America, we had no choice. We had to pivot. We had to go into a strong lobbying mode and talk about how cities are essential to America's uh, return or even moving forward uh, beyond the pandemic. And what we did was we enlisted every, every stakeholder that we knew about corporate America. We enlisted uh, our state municipal leagues. We enlisted um, the Congressional Black Caucus, the, the local officials that were former uh, members of uh, uh, elected office. I mean, we reached to everyone we thought that could help us. And then we just put that plan together and worked it day and night. And I know you recall getting those emails every night, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night from our team. We use social media. We told the stories, we scheduled meetings in this virtual world, which was really difficult, but actually worked in our favor because I will tell you, a lot of congressional members and senators may have been a little lonesome at home or something because they actually had meetings with us virtually when they were in person, it was more difficult. And we stayed the uh, course and focused on um, the issues. We didn't get, you know, uh, start focus on the insurrection. We didn't start talking about the campaign election. We wanted to make sure that cities, towns, and villages could survive through this difficult time. That was our focus. And we would get calls. I would get calls from the press asking us to weigh in on various issues. And the only thing I said I want to talk about is 
direct funding for cities to survive. So it was really strategic, targeted, and really focused on our messaging and our mission. And the fact is, uh, and I think it drives both of us, we know how it feels to lead a city. And we knew that if the, the mayors and, and the other leaders in the municipalities didn't get some support, then um, some of these communities wouldn't even return uh, back. They would have to go uh, and be uh, uh, lost because uh, they would not be able to survive. So we were motivated by all of those things. Well, it worked. <laughs> you guys were great. And it was, it was good to work with you on that too. So looking at the ARP and comparing it to, to the CARES Act, it, there's some similarities and some of the same things that will be being reimbursed for, but there's also some uh, significant changes from the CARES Act. Um, you talked about one that that there'll be a lot more direct appropriation to our entitlement cities. That makes a big deal in Oklahoma because we went from only Oklahoma City receiving those funds directly now to eight cities that that'll re receive those funds. Um, you know, and I know I know you touched on that, but I wanted to kind of repeat that. But uh, so some of the other things I think are interesting, and I want to talk about a little bit uh, that we fought really hard in the CARES Act for budget stabilization money, and they were unwilling to pro provide that, but that seemed to be one of the centerpieces of the ARP. Uh, talk about that part of it a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as you get the direct funding, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, you know, the, the CARES Act didn't um, provide for revenue replacement. So if your water system, your wastewater system lost revenue, you can look at the uh, job, uh, the um, American Rescue uh, Act monies coming with a plan to replace those revenues. You can also focus a lot on other things such as water, wastewater, and broadband, uh, because this is about returning and developing infrastructure for the future uh, in your, your communities. So I'm hoping that uh, the guidance hopefully will come out soon from Treasury and, and they'll give you more direction. But, but there are uh, uh, opportunities for you to, to, to even those essential workers, uh, giving them additional funds because of the, the work that they do, did during this difficult time. So I think, you know, uh, the leaders will have some flexibility. Um, it's more broad and it allows you to, again, recover a little bit more some of the losses that you did during uh, the pandemic impact. But again, I'm not going to uh, leave you with this concept that uh, make sure that the community is involved as well in your planning, because that's very important. You touch on something that I found very interesting in the bill, when that, and I know it's vague, and we're going to learn more when Treasury finally releases their rules, uh, but talking about water, wastewater, and broadband infrastructure, um, that uh, I don't, I, that's a gift but, uh, because that, that's always a deficiency. I don't care what city you are, that, that's a deficiency in your municipality. But it almost seems a little bit out of place in, in uh, this particular bill. Um, what, what was, can, can you maybe expound a little bit more why you think that that was a critical part that they included? Yeah, one of the things that happened uh, 
doing uh, the, the COVID pandemic is America uh, became more aware of a lot of the gaps that existed in communities all over America. The health gap, uh, the you know, access to technology and broadband, uh, you know, the, the housing gaps, so many gaps were identified through this process. And so I think as uh, the uh, uh, senators and congressional members were looking at this, they said, now let's figure out a way to address those gaps. We saw where a lot of kids, whether they're in Oklahoma or some other state, um, did not have broadband. And that uh, stymied their ability to connect uh, to the internet uh, and uh, attend classes. If, if that's what we need to do to rescue and to return and recover, we need to put that money in there and partner with the school systems uh, to make sure that there is that connectivity. Because if you get the broadband in one neighborhood and then the, the school system is not um, you know, able to uh, connect with it, then it's, it's not the way we want to plan. Uh, and then, you know, the water, wastewater systems, again, uh, there was a lot a loss of money um, and uh, access for, again, um, the lease of those in some communities that didn't have the quality. So uh, there is some, we're, we're, I will say, we're waiting for more guidance on that yeah. because some folks say that, that it can be used for water and wastewater, um, but I'm, I'm waiting on treasury. I think it can, but as you guys know, we're also waiting on the infrastructure bill yeah. uh, that will hopefully come to us. Uh, but I think I think that this this bill, the rescue bill, is a lot more flexible. But my goal is to make sure that we spend it correctly and show outcomes. So that's yeah. that's important. You, you mentioned uh, the American Jobs Plan that, that the president uh, announced on the heels of this one passing that is really focused on infrastructure. And I'm we're just as excited about that bill. Now, I know, and I don't want to get anybody excited just yet. I, I know it's got a lot of dollars in there, but we're a long ways away from that one being a reality. I know there's a lot of, of negotiating. But coming off the heels of this, do you think, do you, do you think that maybe when Treasury releases – the infrastructure part of the ARP that it might be a little more restrictive knowing that that other bill is out there? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I do think it's important that they clarify that because that would give um, cities um, more direction uh, in terms of whether they should use it on broadband or, or water or yeah. wastewater uh, because um, there is a, a, a future plan, a jobs plan in place. Um, we expect it to move. Um, if I was um, encouraging uh, cities, I would tell them to put together a comprehensive plan uh, that would include um, broadband, water, and wastewater as a part of that plan. And I would hope that by um, August, September recess, we'll have a sense of, uh, of how far, whether they'll just uh, uh, extend um, the existing transportation bill that would have money in it, or we would have a total uh, new jobs act. Uh, so, 
so I'm going to make a bold prediction here, okay? Now, <laughs> I, have nothing to, I have nothing to base this on other than, than a gut feeling. My, my feeling is that the, in, in the ARP, I feel like we're going to see an emphasis on the broadband piece. Uh, because I think you're right. We, we saw the deficiency in broadband. There also feels like, I know it's in Oklahoma that it is one of our governor's top priorities. And as I look at our other leagues and see what other states are doing, it feels like it's just a priority out there. And knowing that the, the infrastructure bills out there, I feel like they'll put a lot of priority on that broadband piece. Yeah, I, I hope so. Because I'm telling you, um, it was it became so obvious, more obvious than I thought. Uh, that gap that existed in America. So I hope uh, I hope you're right, and um, we will for sure as soon as we get uh, uh, those guidelines from Treasury, we will share them with you, Mike, and your your members. Uh, we anticipate that by May May 10th or 11th. Um, uh, I think uh, I, I spoke to um, Mr. Sperling yesterday, and. Um, he is he is very committed to trying to get that out. So, your I thought your prediction was going to be something like the thunder was going <laughs> to. But right I, now we just wish if the thunder would win a game. Yeah, we're, I, I, we're I, not I, too I hot right. Now. I was going to let it go, man. I was going to let it go, but since you, you know, I said we're hey, we going for that draft pick. We want the number one pick, you know, and we're working hard to get it. <laughs> Good luck, man. You may get it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we're talking about broadband, just to mention, I, one of the reasons probably why I think there's going to be such an emphasis is that in another portion of the bill, there's that $10 billion fund for broadband expansion that the states will split that's on top of the uh, language in the local government section about broadband. So I, yeah, I do think that's, that is going to be an emphasis. And I'm curious to see how my state decides to, to use those funds. Um, Larry, our counterpart from Georgia, had mentioned on one of the meetings that um, Georgia was talking about putting a fund that would match dollar for dollar for municipalities if they were to use it for broadband. And I've, I've floated that idea here in Oklahoma, too. I thought that was a really great idea. And I think some other municipalities would take advantage of that. So. No, I'm telling you, this 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 gap in that broadband, and it, it's it's really about making folks lives better in the state because if you can actually get access to the world uh, through broadband as well as this virtual our virtual engagement is not going back to the way it was conference calls folks don't even want to do conference calls anymore i love conference calls <laughs> um but um and and i'm i'm taking you know classes i'm experiencing things that I never, my daughter is uh, in college and she is using our broadband. And let me tell you, uh, there are times in Northeast DC where she gets, I mean, just, it's not working. And I've upgraded my system and all of that stuff. It's, it's a big issue. So I'm hoping that everybody, every municipal official will learn more about this and ask your staff to follow up on it and to see if you can push that concept of matching. I think that's the way to go. I like that plan. So, um, all right. So you, you mentioned it, but I want you to make it, I want you, cause you're helping me here. Cause I, I have been preaching this one thing over and over again in the interim is that our, our cities at the moment need to be patient as 
as Treasury makes their rules. And I know that everybody across the country is eager to start spending these dollars for the good of their communities, but it's really difficult to do a whole lot right now. Is there, can, one, bag me up on that, my friend, and then maybe if there's some things that, uh, that you want to talk about that you think cities could be doing as we wait for those rules. Yeah, I'm going to sort of back, back you up, man. You know I got you. Um, the first thing is um, to find out, and, and, and Mike can do that, uh, how much you're getting potentially. And it, it is potentially getting because I don't want you to have the, you know, expect every dollar to be correct. But uh, the estimates are out there in terms of what your city will receive. I do think that this is the time to take a breath and start a plan and start planning. Don't wait till the dollars arrive, but engage your staff, engage your community in terms of what they think based upon your information that you have, what they think we should spend these dollars on. Is it broadband? Uh, is it our infrastructure? Um, is it to be able to uh, create a small business fund? Should we partner with and leverage this by working with our chamber or our business development group uh, to do some different things that we have not done uh, before? Should we partner with the schools? So what my thought is, I'd love us to leverage these dollars so that $5 became $50 in a way. And we can do that if we not be myopic and, and be selfish about the dollars and how we use them. The other thing is, I, I, I hope that don't create new programs that need to be funded long term that you can't fund. This is maybe, let's say it's a Christmas gift that you can open up today, that bicycle, and that you look at it and you know as a parent six months later that thing is going to be broken i mean just, you know it <laughs> all of my kids did the same thing um so so plan this in a way that it is dealing with issues that you're dealing with today and that you can it's it's not something you're going to have to fund for 20 years because you may not have these you will not have these dollars you only have to 2024 to expend these dollars. So if you don't, then they're going back. The other thing is document, put your infrastructure together and documentation, outcomes, and tell the stories about how this, these dollars were used to your residents and to National League of Cities and to the administration. Because we need this formula where every city, town, and village don't have to go through the state every time federal dollars. And that's what has been the holdup for, for most of our career, Mayor. Mayor, we had to wait for the state to disseminate the dollars. This formula that we have, those dollars come straight to every mayor and municipal leader. You deserve that. We wanna hear the stories about the jobs that you've created. Want to hear the stories about the comp the, the, the small cities, uh, small businesses. Also, hey, we need to invite those congressional members and those senators to these ribbon cuttings. 
and these be a part of the story. I don't care if they voted for it or not. That's we don't get into that as municipal officials. We need to invite everyone to these important events because they need to hear from the residents how important this is. So I will for sure be a partner with you all because we put a lot of blood and sweat into this, these getting these dollars. And I will tell you, I am not in the business of failure. I ain't built like that, Mike. <laughs> We're going to be successful. And I'm going to make sure I partner with you to get the technical assistance that your uh, members need. And that's going to be key because there's a city like mine. I looked in the numbers. I think we we may get somewhere $5 million of, of uh, rescue funds. Uh, that's pretty significant for a small city like mine where the city clerk was the finance director and the treasurer and everything else. And the city manager was the public works director. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, and now they're going to have this newfound, these newfound dollars. I know you guys are going to do the right thing by them and track them and make sure that uh, when the federal government, when they come to audit you, that you will have those records to show that we, we use these dollars the right way. I think that's going to be a critical part of this, and I think that's one of the things from the league's perspective that we're preparing for now is to to assist our municipalities with that part, so that that uh, we're never going to get this chance again if we don't do it right this time. So, we appreciate all those resources, and thank you. I think that was incredible advice. Uh, that's even that's helpful for me as we plan over the next few weeks because um, we're not that far off from from the first round of funding. May tenth will be here before we know it. Yeah, man, I'm I'm nervous uh, and excited at the same time. And if we were in person, I'd you know I'd take you out uh, for a drink. <laughs> we we'd have fun and a cigar and a cigar, of course. It's a cigar. But I will tell you, um, I am just so motivated by it. It just uh, it's just excited to see cities all over America, and I would say this is the first time that the federal government has viewed mayors and municipal leaders as an important element to recovery in our nation. Yep. It's like we were treated, you know, like we were in elementary school. Now we're in college. We, we, we got our <laughs> own job, got our own apartment. Yeah. I mean, it just made me feel good that they recognize the power and influence and the trust that we have. And so we want to do this again. And we're going to advocate for direct funding from this point on, even in the jobs plan. But we got to make sure that we put our plans together and we put our implementation. And again, outcomes, 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 and stories about how it impacted your community and the people that live. That's the important part of what we want to get done here. So Clarence, we're, we're running a little long and you kind of touched on the last thing. I wanted to give you the, the final word and, and, and please, ex, you can expand on this, but I, I, I want to throw this out there. Right after, um, I'll call it the big victory, when we got this passed, you met with, the, with all directors from, from all over the country and you... At that point, I felt like you could have just taken a victory lap, sat back in your chair and said, we did it, guys, and, and taken a break. But that's not 
the attitude that you took. It's not what you did. In fact, you challenged us at the state level and you said, we won here, but it's but that we can't rest on this. We got to push harder. And I was so inspired that day thinking, you know what? Yeah, we, we can't just rest on this victory. So I, I thought that was great message. I'm going to just kind of, that's not a question, but kind of leave the, the ending in this open to you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's, it's, you know, it's like uh, being an elected official in a way. Um, we decide to run for office, right? And then we go out there and we campaign, we knock on every door and speak to everybody, even people we don't like and stuff anyway. And we ask them for their vote. And then we win, right? We win. And we celebrate for that moment. But I will tell you, the easy part of being a municipal official is getting elected. The difficult part is governing. Same thing here with this ARP plan, this act. The easy part was fighting so hard to get this money to every city, town, and village in America. Every city in Oklahoma. Now the real work begins, the implementation. It's the way in which we use the dollars, the way in which we lead, the way in which we act, the way in which we engage. That's what success looks like. That's where the real work. And I will tell you that after that vote, yep, celebrated, amazed. And then the next morning I called my team together and said, now, we got to help our cities in America through the implementation. And victory to me is the day that I see the report from Oklahoma Municipal League that shows me how the dollars have been used and how lives have been changed. Now, an old country boy like me from rural Florida, that's when I'll say amen. And that's when I'll celebrate. And that's when I'll get you that cigar. <laughs> I can only afford a $5 cigar, so you ain't gonna get much. Uh, <laughs> but that will be when I just I just would feel that, that I've done something. And that's how I'm built. I'm built as a former mayor that got my hands dirty every day. Because it, I did it because of the way in which I grew up. And I feel as if I think what we're we're here to do when nobody else is fighting for our cities and our citizens, that's what mayors and municipal leaders do every day. And if you're in it for that, we'll win it. So I'm I'm more committed now and, and Mike and your team, thank you so much, Mayor. Thank you so much for being a partner, uh, inviting me on on this podcast today to share some words with all of the leaders in Oklahoma. And uh, one day I hope to be uh, invited to uh, the the conference um, to be able to attend. I know you've invited. You have a standing invitation, buddy. Standing invitation. All right. And, And thanks again, man, for having me. No, it's been great. So we have been talking with CEO and Executive Director of the National League of Cities, Clarence Anthony. We want to thank him for being on today. 
We have uh, launched a website uh, or a web page on OML.org for all of your state ARP, ARP needs. We also have a link to the National League of Cities uh, page for ARP information that they have put together. So please go there for your information and uh, we'll be back in the coming weeks with new and interesting municipal guests. Thanks for joining. Thank you.